Welcome to Writer's Report, the podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Zach Bigley and Chris Jarrett. It's our pleasure to welcome you to another episode of Riders Report, the podcast. My name's Zach Bigley, broadcaster for the Rough Riders, and I'm joined by my partner for this year, Chris Jared, who uh, came all the way from Michigan. Is that true? That's right. Yeah, wow. came all the way from Michigan, uh, all the way down here for this season. So certainly excited to get things going here, and I know that it's it's going to be a fun season. Hey, we're really thrilled to have you on. And yes, sir. We were very thrilled to have Jared Gettert on our podcast as we preview this season coming up here in just a couple days. Crazy. The season's uh, getting underway, and uh, we have opening day on April. April 8th here at Riders Field, going to be a thrilling opening weekend as well, and we'd love to have each and every one of you out here at Riders Field. We had a really fun time talking with Jared uh, just a few minutes ago. In yeah. fact, he was so insightful on this team and told some really good stories. He, he is, and, and you were um, in, in the first kind of days that I was here. That's one of the questions that comes up is how the manager is, and um, Jared's a type of manager that you can tell he he gets along really well with the the fellow coaching staff that he's got, but then the players as well. And um, being I think being a former player is so huge, um, just to be able to relate to those guys and and know what that grind feels like and to be able to take on all those games. So he was great to share some of that insight, and uh, it, it's going to be a great listen. That interview will be part of our podcast, of course, and then we're also going to dive in a little bit to the. Uh, Rangers organization it's going to be a really good year hopefully for the Rangers organization as they have just soared in terms of their rankings in uh, in Major League Baseball this organization has done a wonderful job with some good draft picks some big trades as well and uh, hey they also spent the second most money out of any team in the offseason in free agency with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon being the big pieces so we're focused here in Frisco on what should be a very talented roster five top 30 prospects including three of the top six in Jack Leiter Ezekiel Durant and Dustin Harris. We'll talk to Jared a little bit about them. We'll also talk about them as we go forward here on the season as we're going to have a lot of fun on the broadcast with Chris and I. And then, of course, uh, if you want to come out to the, the ballpark, there's so many new and exciting things going on here at Riders Field with new concessions, which are fantastic. And that's unbiased. Both of us can yeah. say they are so good. Yeah. Uh, each each concession stand is brand new and unique. And uh, in addition to that, we're, we're looking for some really big crowds this year and, and a lot of good baseball. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the stadium's beautiful. And then the food as well. That's that's at the top of the list. So that that's going to be something that I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe trying every homestand, uh, every other game, just sampling what's down there, uh, maybe to get some people out at Riders Field, get them to a ball game here this summer. We're looking forward to it. Without further ado, let's dive right into the podcast first with a look at the organization. All right, so first let's take a look at the AAA affiliate in the AAA West, the Express in Round Rock there. Last season they finished with a record 67-62. and 62. Um, Really, really competitive AAA West that they battled in last season. They get tied for second with Oklahoma City, so 67-62 and 62 is where they end up. A really strong start and a really strong finish for the AAA club, but it was kind of the middle months that really were gruesome to them where it was uh, tough to – tie together wins consecutively for them during the season. So, uh, But you had guys that were rough riders like Cole Wynn, Sam Huff, Davis Wenzel that were able to break that AAA level last year. So uh, maybe a feel-good thing 
for the Express going into the season. Yeah, for sure. And I think the AAA level is always a little bit interesting in minor league baseball, especially with last year with some uh, COVID issues that a lot of teams dealt with. You had a lot of movement going back and forth. And I think guys like the three you just mentioned in Wynn, Huff, and Wenzel, they finished the season here, went up for that final stretch in AAA, and I think they got some really valuable playing time. And all of them are starting there in AAA Round Rock this year. So I think that's really good. And, and Cole Wynn is a guy who really stuck out to us here in Frisco last year as a guy who is incredibly talented and someone who definitely feels like he's on the path or on the express train, I guess you can say. Oh, okay. <laughs> up, to, uh, up to the big league level. It, he was just so impressive here, and he continued that when he went up to the AAA level in those two starts. And, and the Futures game appearance, too. That, exactly. That's got to be awesome to represent the Rangers. And then uh, one of the names that you won't be able to see immediately, but Josh Young, uh, the corner infielder that had to have surgery to repair the torn labrum at the end of February, uh, and a native of San Antonio, so a Texas guy that, of course, not an opening day, but going to come back where he should hopefully make a big splash at the AAA level, maybe a couple weeks there, and then might even watch for him to maybe post-All-Star break, try and make the big league club. It was such a shame when he went down with that yeah. labrum tear in in, uh, in spring training. This is another guy like Colwyn who really came onto the scene and just excelled immediately. I mean, dominant in the batter's box especially. And really the question with Young coming in was, what is his power going to look like? Can he pull the ball? In college, he was so gap-to-gap, especially into the right center field gap as a right-handed hitter. Well, his first home run here in Frisco, he pulled it down into what was the diamond deck at the time, now the in-touch home run terrace, and absolutely crushed the ball. He had a lot of pull-side home runs, a lot of long home runs, and I think he answered a ton of questions when he hit over 330 between AAA and here in AA and really proved himself to be one of the best hitting prospects in the minors. All right, let's keep rolling right on along. And, of course, that leads us to the AA Central and the Frisco Rough Riders. We bring back the Texas League. So AA Central last year, the Texas League is back. And I know that a lot of people are excited about. Me too. Um, you look at, <laughs> yes, me too. You look at first in the South, but no playoffs. That was the real big ick across the minors last season is you can be a division winner and not make the postseason. And, unfortunately, Frisco was on the wrong end of that. Yeah, usually it's that first half, second half. You know, that's that's kind of the staple of the minors. You win the first half, you're in the playoffs. You win the second half, you're in the playoffs. But, you know, with, with the COVID situation, they instituted playoffs about halfway through the year. So instead of doing the division winners, they decided to do those two best records, as you mentioned. And uh, unfortunately for the Rough Riders, you know, they were, they were 36 and 17, best record in minor league baseball on July 3rd. And then it all went downhill from there. And talking with Jared, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit in the interview later on in the podcast, but even talking with him off air, you can look at it and quite frankly, the talent level didn't drop that much, no. even though you had a lot of promotions up to, to AAA into the big leagues. You had a lot of talented guys coming up. Unfortunately, it was just kind of the unluck of the draw with baseball, where sometimes you get a little bit unlucky, and uh, Rough Riders weren't winning as many close games, especially the one-run games, and uh, they were just not necessarily producing as well into the back end of the bullpen, even though they had that talent. So uh, it was an unfortunate end of the season with one of the craziest games of the year in, uh, in Amarillo, where... Uh, the Rough Riders went back and forth and had the lead and then lost it and lost in the 10th inning on a three-run walk-off homer to eliminate them from the postseason. But the good thing is, hopefully, we're going to have regular playoffs this year, yeah. and hopefully the Rough Riders will uh, will snap that stretch trying to make the postseason for the first time since 2014. Well, and that's what Jared shared with us was that you finished that game, a late one, from Amarillo, and you come back here, and the season's over. So you, you're done in the regular season where you left – maybe thinking that you were going to come back and have the guys stick around and have a postseason series. Everyone basically cleans their locker room out in the middle of the night and leaves maybe the next day, maybe the next morning. But all of a sudden, you're like, we just had a heck of a season and it's over. And yeah. that's that's really the blunt end of the minor league season with that where the division winners 
didn't necessarily make the postseason. But you had, I'm happy you brought up winning the one-run games for Frisco last year where they won, and they won really, really tight. The defense was the biggest takeaway. I think a, a squad that held the lowest runs allowed and the third fewest errors committed in their 119 games last season, just one shy of the 120. They had the fourth youngest batter's average age of 24, flat, right on the nose in the A Central last year. And then now you've got guys that you're going to hear Jared talk about a little bit. There's three guys that will be turning 30 within a year <laughs> on this roster this yeah. year. So there's certainly some young talent, but there's the experience that these guys can maybe share. It's a nice juxtaposition this year yeah. in, in the squad. It's it's a lot of fun, and I think you have a, a really good opportunity for these old guys to kind of bring the young guys along, and I think that's what they'll, they'll try to do, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, when you look at last year's squad, I think it really was a first-half and second half because you had so many guys that were promoted up there to the AAA level and big names, but also you had guys who stuck around. Bubba Thompson had a monster year last year. He was voted a AA Central All-Star last year, and he won Ranger Award as well as the True Ranger Award given out by the, the Texas. I think there are so many good tech takeaways from last year, and as we talked about again with Jared in the podcast interview, Winning isn't everything in the minors, but it's something, and it means a lot to these guys. And when you have fun streaks that you put together, that's when it gets really fun in the clubhouse. And yeah. it's so much easier to go to bed at night knowing that you won, and it's so much better to leave the ballpark knowing that you were able to put forth a, a good product. Yeah, you, you got to win. Um, you know, you, you can be doing a lot of things right, but if you're not winning, the guys in the clubhouse are not going to be continuing to roll over that product one of the guys that are going to help win games for the Frisco Club this season is Jack Leiter. He was the Rangers' top pick in this recent draft, uh, and he's making his pro debut at the AA level. Pretty special for a young man, but a guy, from what it sounds like, and Jared, that is the word that he used was professional. And I think that when you look back at kind of the old cliche, it's become a cliche because so many people are talking about it, who's his dad? It's Al Leiter. Yeah. And Al Leiter is not only a guy who was a three-time All-Star and a two-time World Series champion in the big leagues, but... He's also a guy who's on TV every single night, MLB Network, and, and doing stuff with the Mets as well. He is a very professional guy, and Jack certainly takes after him. And I think that there is going to be a lot of, uh, I guess, posing as will he be his father. And I think that's not really fair. And you, you see it. There are so many guys right now in the big leagues who are sons of famous baseball players. You think, of course, of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Biggio and, and Bo Bichette. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. I, I think that it's so easy to compare them to their fathers, but we'll see. I think Jack Leiter is going to be a different kind of pitcher than Al Leiter, and I, I think that the it's it's such a cliche. The sky is the limit for him yeah. is is such a stupid thing to say, but at the same time, I feel like the the hype surrounding him it certainly does feel like that. That you're talking about a future ace in a Texas Rangers yeah. uniform. It's going to be awesome, awesome to see those guys go to start the season. Let's try and lump these next two together so we can keep this going, and, and we don't want to get stuck on Frisco for too long. A pair of infielders are on this Frisco roster as an outfielder, but infielder Ezekiel Duran, that was one of the pieces in how the Rangers moved so aggressively through the offseason that, frankly, a lot of Rangers fans like to see that. With the roster that they had, it was the back-to-back -back really, really low win percentage years that they had. I think it was the lowest since like the early 70s that the Rangers had seen, which is from their inception. So you get someone like Ezekiel Duran, who immediately springboards into your top 30, and then Dustin Harris, who comes out of the woodwork, with the Wood Ducks, nice. and uh, is able to not only make his way into the top 20 of those guys, of the top 30 prospects, but he comes away as the Tom Grieve Minor League Player of the Year for the Rangers. So both of those guys, along with Leiter, really kind of headline what should be a special Frisco roster to start the season. And it's an interesting three guys. You have Leiter, who's the number two overall pick. 
Then you have Dustin Harris, who was part of the Mike Miner deal with the A's in 2020. Then Ezekiel Durant, who was part of one of the biggest blockbuster trades last year in all of baseball, sending Joey Gallo from the Rangers to the Yankees. And, and that was a big, big pull for the Rangers last year. And a lot of people were saying, wow, they got four guys, not one big prospect. Well, it seems like they got four big prospects. <laughs> Josh Smith is having a, a really good start to his Texas Rangers career. He's starting up in AAA. He was with the Rough Riders last year. Glenn Otto has already pitched in the big leagues for the, the Rangers. Trevor Haver is a, a very talented infielder as well. And now Ezekiel Duran, the other piece in that trade, who some people might think he's the biggest piece in that trade. He's starting here. And from what it seems, he is a free swinger. He's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of excitement with him. And uh, I think that there's a lot of excitement surrounding him here in Frisco. And then Dustin Harris, a guy who is coming out really of nowhere he was not scouted at all in high school he didn't even hit a home run until his second season in junior college in 2019 in his entire career and then all of a sudden he hits 20 he's homers a 2020 guy yeah, yeah exactly it's crazy so i think there's so much excitement surrounding these guys and they're all very unique stories and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun awesome can't wait for the season to start that's again this friday april 8th get your tickets and get out here if you're in the surrounding dfw area uh, and then let's keep our coverage continuing to the high a level now it's the Hickory Crawdads' turn in the High A East. It was a difficult year last year for uh, for the Dads. They go 46 and 68, six in the South Division. But that was a South Division uh, where three of the four positive run differentials in the league competed in the South with Hickory. So it was a really competitive division that they had to find themselves in. But uh, despite six, they go for an OPS of over 700, 737. The pitching staff, over 1,200 strikeouts, which is third best in the league. So there were certainly some things to take away from that. Um, and you are, I think, maybe stepping back a bit, you're going to get the success, for the most part, that came out of Down East, who we'll get with a little bit later. Yeah, uh, Down East, as you mentioned, we're going to talk about later. They had a lot of success, and I think that's kind of how it moves. Groups tend to move up together. But I think with Hickory, they got robbed of a lot of talent that came up here in the second right. half, and that's kind of how it works, of course. You graduate your best talent, but uh, unfortunately, it seemed like a lot of those guys kind of got sucked up this way. Blaine Krim was a monster for them in the first half. He hit 20 home runs. Uh, hit over 300 it's it's really impressive to see what he did at high a and then to come up here and prove that and we'll talk about him a little bit with jared later on in in the podcast blaine Krim was was big for them and then also they had a lot of starter starting pitchers who were coming off a 2020 season where they didn't pitch and had to log a lot of innings avery weems comes to mind as a, a guy who they're very excited about justin slayton as well who threw a lot of innings with them uh, but maybe their numbers weren't the best, but I think that was really valuable to, to get those innings, and I think that's going to be incredibly valuable when they come here and, and they're in the starting rotation yeah. here at Frisco. So what folks are looking for are the names, the names that you can expect to see with Hickory uh, in this 2022 season, and one of the more anticipated returns is Takoa Roby. He was the third-round pick in the five-round 2020 draft out of high school in Pensacola, Florida, behind Justin Foscue and Evan Carter, and then the debut, 35 strikeouts and six different starts. But then he had an elbow sprain in June that basically shut him down for what would have been a really strong year, at least a strong start to the year. Um, but the bounce back was really strong, or what we've been able to see from a distance at the fall instructs back at the end of 2021. So he won't be 21 until September, but he's going to be a guy that at the high A level should come right in when he can and make an impact off the start on the mound for Again, a pitching staff that did some good things last year. I think the key there is he's still 20 years old, as you just mentioned. That's that's incredibly impressive for TK as he goes by TK Roby. I, I think he's part of a really talented pitching crop that is coming up, and I think there are a lot of guys who are really underrated in the Rangers system. A few that we saw last year here in Double A, but also a few that are, are coming up in the younger 
younger minors. And, and so I think it's really an exciting time to be a Rangers fan. It's uh, almost become a cliche at this point that the Rangers have struggled at times to produce pitching over the last couple decades in their minor league system. I think that's going to change. I think that this crop coming up, starting with Colwyn at the AAA level, with Jack Leiter, who's going to be here, here in Frisco, TK Roby, uh, the list really goes on and on. I think that it's really good times ahead for the Rangers. And then on the offensive side of things, you always hear names uh, in baseball where you think, is there a relation? Well, with a guy of the last name Acuna, there's a relation <laughs> to his brother and that's Luis Angel Acuna that he's a he's a middle infielder that is expected to be able to make an impact in Hickory he finished third in runs with 77 hits and steals over 40 steals 44 steals is where he ended up ranking so a lot of speed for a guy that's 5'8 a lot of charge and a lot of comparisons to his big league bro so so people are looking at that and hoping that he can find some success in his own way uh, and do his thing in Hickory. Yeah, you mentioned the stature. A little bit eight, a little bit different than his 6'2 brother, yeah. but same speed. I mean, Acuna, Ronald Acuna was saying he wants to be a 40-40 player at the major league level, and it seems like his brother has that same speed that he has. And I, I think that when you look at a, a guy like him who is very young, going up to the high A level after a good year in A ball, I think this is a good proving ground for him. I think this is a good chance for him to prove that it's not just about speed and a good chance to uh, – kind of attach himself into that Hickory offense that's a pretty favorable ballpark down there for hitters. Going to love to keep our eyes on Hickory. Again, as you say, the next stop is Frisco, potentially. So going to watch what the Crawdads do in uh, in the high A level this season. Let's keep our coverage rolling to now down east. Uh, some names that we had mentioned that helped bring them the success last year where they go 72-48. and 48. They had the most wins of any Texas farm club. And they were the only one to make a run and, and be in that exclusive bid of one of two teams make the championship series. They were the ones, uh, but they fell to Charleston. And so a runner-up spot for a Downey's club that has had a lot of success in the last couple of uh, last couple of years. So you look at the 2021 Wood Ducks last year where they finished with the second most wins at 72, the youngest team, the second lowest whip, and the second fewest runs. All those teams, that the second fewest, second fewest, the team that was ahead of them was Charleston, and that was the team that awaited them and eventually topped them in the championship series. But a lot of success, and, and now you have someone like Carlos Cardoza that was there in, in Down East. Now he's going to Hickory. So continuing the, the group of guys to move up through the Texas system. And Steve Mintz takes over there as the, the manager in Down East, who has been with the Rangers organization for a long time as a pitching coach. And uh, he was back. He was the pitching coach in Myrtle Beach back in the day in uh, 2015, when uh, when they last were a Rangers affiliate, or 2014, I should say. But you know, it's it's a, a good place to be for for young guys. I think it's a really nice ballpark and a, a good area for a low A team. And um, I think that you know, with all the young talent that's coming up through the Rangers system, I think it is a perfect. Uh, fit there with Steve Mintz kind of uh, bringing some of the young pitchers up through. Yeah, and the, the talent that comes through, the, the deepest spot of prospects for the Rangers is at the shortstop spot. And one of those guys is not even 20 years old yet. It's Maximo Acosta. On top of, you have Simeon Seeger at the big league level. Now you've got someone like Acosta that works his way in there. Signed out of Venezuela in 2019, given the offseason in 2020. He had to deal with an ankle injury 16 games uh, into last season. So now with what he's been able to do, he makes that list. But again, it's injuries like we're kind of seeing with a couple of these guys. 2022 for most of these prospects is going to be a year of, okay, I, I've been hindered by injury a lot. This is going to be the year that maybe I can prove myself. Yeah, you mentioned the shortstop position here in the Rangers system too. At the big league level, obviously, with, with Corey Seager, Josh Smith, who's at, at 
Triple A right now, Ezekiel Duran, who's here, it just goes down the list. And so I think it's going to be really tough for guys like Acosta to to make headway. And I think that's also why you see guys like Dustin Harris moving to the outfield, trying to, to see if they can find a different spot and get that bat up to the big leagues. If you hit, you're going to find a way up. That's kind of how yep. it goes. And so I think that that's really where it starts for a guy like him. So another injury guy that had to deal with that early in his uh, professional career, should say, was Dane Ocker. Signed with Oakland out of Oklahoma in 2020. He was a fourth-rounder uh, before being dealt in the package for Elvis Andrews and Ramos Garcia in February. Tommy John surgery last May. Um, and then in two starts for Ocker, 11 Ks in just over six innings, batters a 160 before the injury. So, again, another guy that a lot of people are looking at him saying is what we saw before the injury going to be legit with uh, you know 2020 all the way what feels like an eternity ago it seems like there's so many guys who haven't played a lot of baseball recently and I think that is the layoff from 2020 that we saw and a lot of injuries unfortunately last year so I think it's a proving ground for a lot of guys I think that there are definitely some some players here in this organization and other organizations that have a chance to to increase uh, on a small sample size that was very impressive and that's certainly the case for Acker Okay, so certainly the there you've got the roadmap laid out in front of you in terms of maybe what to expect and what we saw last year and uh, some names to look out for this season throughout the Texas system and uh, prospects. Prospects aplenty is what it looks like <laughs> throughout the Rangers system. So going to be an exciting year uh, where you've got a lot of different positions covered. The depth is really at shortstop and then some exciting pitching that we can expect as well. As we've been teasing throughout the podcast, Jared Getter, the manager for the Rough Riders, joined us earlier today. Let's get that interview with Jared. We are very happy to be joined by manager Jared Getter, who's back for his second season here in Frisco as we prepare for 2022. Jared, it's nice to have you back. How does it feel to be back here in Frisco? Very excited to be back. Um, Off-season short, um, so it uh, went by pretty quickly, but I think that's a good thing because uh, looking forward to getting ramped up here just in a, in a couple of days. We'll talk about this season because there's a lot of talent on this team, but I wanted to revisit kind of a sore subject, which was last season. An incredible year started out through the first, uh, you know, about 60 games, best record in minor league baseball, 11-game winning streak, an incredible first half, and then just missed out on the playoffs. What were some of your takeaways from last year? How ruthless baseball could be. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, it was – it was. Um, it, you know, overall, kind of, kind of, as as time has passed, it was it was a good year overall. There are a lot of good things that happened, like a lot of players um, got better, um, kind of did what they needed to do at this level at an important time in their career. Um, but it was, it was it was a tough tough end for sure with with how much uh, good that that did transpire last year. And looking forward to kind of getting to start fresh, start new, and you know, and hopefully create some of those. Um, kind of experiences and memories that, that we got to with the team last year. Jared, one of the things you mentioned to us before the season started here is how important chemistry is for the guys in the locker room. And you said how much fun that that group early on in the season had. How important, you a former player, you've seen it, and now in a managerial spot, how important is that chemistry for those guys on and off the field? I think it's extremely important. And it's what we kind of talked about before before we started here, just that this sport, we're, we're together, we're in the same clubhouse, on the same buses, in the same hotel tell day after day after day and so you can easily you know for lack of putting it a better way get sick of each other and so the more that you can have 
that or or hopefully help to cultivate the environment that allows for guys to be themselves, guys to be able to be loose, let their guard down, and have fun with each other, joke around, um, prank each other, whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah. The the better off, and I and I think that what that does is it allows to to me it allows for better performance on the field you know you can have that in the dugout where you you naturally kind of want to pick each other up when you're down because baseball is going to knock you down um it's just kind of the nature of it so i think that the more that, that you do what you can to try to like i say create that environment the better off over the long haul and it's funny you ask that because uh, as a player i was talking with a couple of players during today's workout about you know i said hopefully in 20 years when they're done playing baseball <laughs> what they'll find is they're going to remember those sorts of things. You know, hopefully they have a lot of success, obviously, on the field that leads to a long career. But what they're going to remember are those moments. And, and it's kind of tough right now for them to, to know that when they're in it. You know, it's tough to see the, the forest through the trees at times. But that's what they'll remember. And, and those that's what's important. It's not important because of the memories they'll have down the road. But I think it's important because it allows for that that success to to happen on the field for them who told you that you have anyone tell you that down the line or is that something that you just learn yourself you know I, I think it's a little bit it's it's learned for sure um your experiences are important and you kind of you learn and you grow as you as you go but i think that the the managers that had the most impact on me and that i would i probably find that i you know emulate the most kind of allowed for that it wasn't it wasn't direct it wasn't at the time, I didn't know it was maybe intentional. Maybe it was unintentional on there, and I don't know. But those clubhouses, those dugouts, those bus rides, how they were as far as kind of leading our team allowed for that. And, and those just happened to be the teams that would tend to have a lot of success. Right. With those, the, the crazy group that was here last year in Frisco, especially in the first half, do you have a favorite memory from last season of some prank or, or something that just kind of made you laugh? I think not a, not a specific prank, but I would just say that you mentioned it that that winning streak there that it just seemed like we found a new way every night to win a baseball game, and it wasn't just a, a player or two who was involved. It seemed to be a new guy, you know, every night, and just how much fun that was. I mean, we had you know major league rehab involved with some of that. We had uh, we talked about earlier like an interference call on the base <laughs> paths that that led to a win. It's just that. That and kind of the fun in the clubhouse afterwards um, come come to you know the the front of my mind. But th I would say overall the personalities, you know, and I'd like to think that 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 allowed for some of that success. We had we had fun personalities, and that was that made last year very enjoyable for sure. With that being said, do you kind of not understand when people say winning in minor league baseball doesn't matter? Because I feel like it makes things so much better for the guys it makes it a, a faster summer it makes it so they're having more fun and it helps them be better I get from a from an organizational standpoint and, and a and big picture standpoint you know what's ultimately important and that's for our major league team to have success and we need to develop um, our minor leaguers you know to hopefully one day be good major leaguers and, and to help our major league club win a world series so I understand that first and foremost. I also don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I don't think that you necessarily, you know, overall have to pick development over winning. I think that a lot of times they can go they can go hand in hand. And I think that when you think about what you can do as a player to help your team win that night, to me a lot of that 
is development. You know, it's things, whether it's laying down a base hit bunt, if they, they give that to you, you know, you're helping the team, but you're also helping yourself in your own development. That's just one example. So I think there's a lot of ways that they can, they can work together. Um, they don't, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, outside of there's going to be times when, you know, this guy needs to be in this, this spot for, for his career and he needs to get that experience and, and then he can get better from that. I understand that. And that's going to be the case, you know, regardless of the level and regardless of the organization. Let's talk about this season. There's a lot of hype prospects, and it, there's no other place to start than Jack Leiter. The hype surrounding him is incredible. Number two overall pick, of course, a year ago. What were your first impressions of Jack as a baseball player and as a person when you first met him? Sure, he's he's professional. You know, um, I'm, I'm kind of always intrigued to see people like that who have that much hype and how they carry themselves. And the thing that I've appreciated about him just in my limited interactions to this point with him is – he goes about his business in a professional way. Um, I appreciate that about him. And I would just want him to be, I think, with that hype, he's still a human being. You know, he's a he's a top prospect, and deservedly so. But we just need him to go be himself. We don't need him to be anything special or anything extra. Um, and that would kind of be the, the message or the hope for him is because there is, there's going to be enough uh, kind of attention and, and eyes and, and that, that sort of thing on him just naturally. Um, but he's a human being at the same time, and if he just if he just goes and does his thing, he's gonna be gonna be just fine. But I've been in, impressed with just kind of how he goes about it um, so far, for sure. As a former position player yourself, what are your first impressions of Ezekiel Duran? <laughs> so as a as a former position player, as a former hitting coach, I love how much he stays in the middle of the field <laughs> when he he uh, he just drives seems to drive the ball uh, gap to gap. Um, which has stood out to me just in similar uh, type of deal. He was in big league camp when I was on the minor league side. And so I only got to see him playing a couple games there at, at the end of spring training. But, man, he could he could drive a fastball, the opposite field gap, and then get fooled on an off-speed pitch, and he would stay in the left center field gap. So he's a true gap-to-gap guy, at least in my experience around him so far. And that's that stood out to me because that'll, that'll give you a chance, you know, no matter who you're facing on the mound. You've – Got a lot of returners coming back this year, guys that were on the end-of-season roster last year. Last year was your first year. So how does that maybe make the, the ease into the second year of familiar territory for you, having some returners as well? I'm excited about that because it, it kind of – you don't want an entirely new wave. You know, you'd like to, for all those guys to have graduated to the next level, to have done well enough to go to the next level, but that's just not the nature of it. Um, in my experience, though – those guys can kind of approach it one of two ways. They can approach it with from the standpoint of, I know what this level's like. I know where we go on the road. There's a familiarity, and there should be a confidence that, hey, I know what this is about. I know what I need to do to go have success. That's one way that they can approach it, which I, I hope that they will, and I think that they will. The other is, oh, I'm back. I've been here. I've done this. And there's almost a... Uh, a letdown or a contentment that they can have. And I've seen those guys kind of struggle and struggle pretty mightily um, if they approach it that way. So the hope is that if they've been, if they were here last year, that their experience, that they can kind of be more of the leaders that we, we need on the team uh, this year, that they know what this level's about. They know our ballpark. They know where we're going to go on the road. And because of that, they can kind of set the tone, set the example for the guys who it's their, their first year in double a that's kind of our hope for them for sure 
Along that same vein, returners Jeff Andrews has been such a huge part of this organization for many years, and here in Frisco especially. But after last year, how much does it mean to have him coming back as not only a pitching coach, but kind of an extra guy who knows everything that could ever happen here at this level? He really does. I mean, his experience, um, ability to uh, help guys out on the mound kind of goes without saying I'm I'm impressed every single day and I, I don't take for granted getting to be on the same staff with him um, in that role but then he also knows you know he can give me the good hotel spots you know <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of some uh, you know foul territory experience that he brings as well but yeah he's I mean I've been fortunate to work with a lot of good pitching coaches in my in my years coaching and and um, but he's to me, it doesn't get better than him. And he's humble. Um, he's professional. He knows his stuff. He's experienced. And it's just I'm fortunate to get to be on the same staff as him, have him as a pitching coach. And I know the rest of our staff is as well, just kind of the experience and the professionalism <clears throat> that he brings. And then obviously our, our pitchers. But then also our catchers learn a ton. And I think that the little bit that our hitters get to hear him talk, they pick up things about how they may get pitched. So I, he just – He's helpful across the board. Um, and then I was very fortunate, the staff overall last year, to get to be a first-year manager with them. Um, couldn't have asked for a better uh, group of guys to, to get to be with last year. Uh, there's been a decent amount of change, and I'm equally excited with – with the new guys you get to work with every day this year as well. A big staff this year. we got, we got a lot of guys <laughs> here in town. It's going to be a lot of fun. But when you look at, at this team, there are so many guys that obviously come up with high prospect status, and then you look at a guy like Dustin Harris who really exploded last year almost out of nowhere and became all of a sudden the number six prospect by MLB.com in this organization. When you look at a guy like him who played infield primarily last year, now he's listed as an outfielder, what really sticks out to you about the defensive placement and, and trying to figure out a good position for that bat? It seems the times I get to see him in spring training, it seems pretty. It seems like a pretty smooth transition, um, and I think part of that is due to how he goes about it. He just he's kind of I don't want to say no nonsense, but he's he's quietly confident, and it's just he doesn't seem like he could get rattled too easy, which I think is a great uh, attribute in this game. Kind of goes with the flow. Um, so I think if there are any hiccups or growing pains kind of moving uh, more to the outfield, it, it'll roll off his back, you know, which I think is going to be a, a benefit for him and a credit to him and kind of being wired that way um, in this game. But, yeah, his his quiet confidence, he, he should be confident because he's he's a very good baseball player. When you look at the double-A level in general, it's a, a level that you played at and now you've managed – do you look at it any differently after managing it versus when you played here at this level? Um, that's a good question because last year was so unique after missing a, a, a year of baseball. Um, I think that, you know, there may be dis disagreeing opinions on this, but I think that this year seems like it may be more like what, double a has been traditionally where last year nearly everybody it seemed like across the league was this was basically their first year in double a they're obviously a handful of, of you know outliers there but that's where you know it seemed like before when i played double a was like that's that's where the prospects are and it seems like that's kind of the case again this year not that it wasn't necessarily last year because there's still a ton of prospects on our team obviously and, and throughout the league but this year it seems like a little more back to maybe what it was before as far as that goes what was your mindset when you first made it to Akron 
at the AA level as a player? What were you feeling? Um, It was the, you know, this is AA. There was a little bit of, you know, guys can get called up from AA. Guys generally don't get called up from high A. So it's like AA, it's like, okay, here we go. This is a little more of a reality here as far as, you know, hoping to make the big leagues. Um, And just kind of what the belief was or of – this is a prospect level. So I think the reality of when you first get drafted, it's you're very excited to it's professional baseball. Like what an honor. You know, this is this is awesome. To the major leagues still feel like a, a long ways away because it's like you get drafted, it's like, well, you're going to rookie ball. And then there's five or six <laughs> levels between rookie ball and the big leagues. So you're like, okay, wait a second. Well, big, big leagues are a little bit further away than I realized. <laughs> but then when you get to double A, it kind of hits you that guys can get called up from double A and or there's only one level between, you know, us and the big leagues. So that reality sets in a little bit as a player, and that's kind of what um, I think struck me more than anything else when I when I first went to Akron. I want to talk about your career a little bit more, but also on the same vein, we have a lot of guys here on this team that are veterans, three 29-year-olds here at the AA level. What What is your impression of that? Does that make your job easier with these guys who are or veteran presences, or does it make it a little harder because they're harder to mold? I I don't think it's – I wouldn't say it's harder. I think that there's value in that. There's value for us as coaches to, to be able to have someone like that who is going to have a pretty good idea um, of what they need to do on a daily basis. Um, they'll still need to get their work in. But and we can still help them. They're obviously still coachable. They're good people, and that's a credit to them. They're professional in the way they go about it. And I think that there's kind of a you can't quantify how valuable it is for their teammates. You know, to kind of it's it's different as coaches. We can talk to them, to you know, players on our team, and they're going to be coachable. But it's going to be different when you're hearing something from a player who's recently been in their experience whatever that experience is, good or bad. So the value that having those guys here can kind of bring in in that area is is tough to quantify. So I, I appreciate having them around for that reason as well. Obviously they still have a dream. We'd still like for them to to be in, to make it to the major leagues and have an impact there. They can also bring a lot of value to our team being here while they are here, for sure. Jared, is there someone that, in your mind, sticks out that was that to you, maybe when you were a younger player, that you think of when you look at those guys? There absolutely is. <laughs> um, I'll say his name, too. I was in um, I was in AAA Columbus, just been on the 40-man with, with the Indians, and I was struggling um, bad offensively and beat myself up, maybe struck out a couple of times. And I came back in the dugout, and we had signed uh, as a minor league free agent that year, Nick Johnson, like longtime first baseman with the Yankees, Nationals, I think at that point. But it had a good – I think it played in the big leagues for nine years at that point. He's in AAA with us in Columbus. Kind of beating myself up between at-bats and basically asked, you know, what are you so mad about? Like, oh, you know, struck out my last at-bats. He's like, you never struck out twice in a game before? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I have a, a lot, actually. <laughs> And I was like, he's like, you just got to embrace it. And I said, and I was kind of fired up. And embrace what? He's like, the process. And you got to embrace the process. So that be kind of kind of became our our saying. But his perspective and someone who'd had so much success to be humble enough to take a AAA assignment and to kind of in that moment of me beating myself up, being really hard on myself being able to step back and think about how much this guy had been through um, success in baseball to kind of have that perspective really kind of cut through everything for me 
and I thought about his career and how much success he had had, and it just that that's a moment and a player for sure that I feel like kind of helped helped me out, and, and honestly has helped shape me as a coach as well, as as him, Nick Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> when you look back at, at your time in Double A and in Triple A, was there ever a moment where you thought you were going to go up to the big leagues? It's cliche, but I I really tried to keep my mind in the moment each day. But I think that um, the the first uh, season I got I went from so 2010 I went from started off in Double A and and hit pretty well, and then got moved to Triple A about midway through the year and started off swinging the bat well there. And there would be more and more kind of talk about that. Um, that would maybe be in the back of my mind. Um, and it just it didn't happen that year. But that was probably, in hindsight, the closest. Um, and then the other years I got to be in Double A again with, with the Indians and then with the Pirates and Blue Jays, you just know that obviously you need to do well. You need to be deserving. <laughs> you know, the major leagues aren't made to keep major, league, major leaguers out of it. Um, so I, I knew that if I did do well, that that would be a realistic possibility. But probably that year in 2010 when I – had a good year offensively and ended up getting protected, put on the 40-man. That offseason was probably the most that it, it wasn't in the front of my head, but it was probably definitely in the back of my back of my mind that season. When, when you look at some of these young guys coming up, are you able to, to kind of talk to them about that and be like, don't put the pressure on yourself, just let it happen, and as you were saying, kind of let the process happen? You try to, and cliches are cliches for a reason. They're true, but, yeah, that's – I feel like if nothing, if I can bring nothing else to these guys, it's that experience. I haven't forgotten how hard this game is, how much it'll chew you up and spit you out. Um, it doesn't let up when you're struggling. It just doesn't. It's, it doesn't feel sorry for you. Um, and I know the AA level being closer to the big leagues and then, and then AAA even more so, but especially in Frisco, the physical distance from Arlington being so close I think helps can help guys look up a little more than they they normally may so I do try to keep that reminder of man like be where your feet are take care of today today and then tomorrow kind of takes care of itself when you do that it it does that's how it works out but it is it's a trap that guys are human and they can easily fall into that especially when they do have a little success um but I, I do try to be that helpful reminder to Let's take care of take care of business where you're at, and that, that those things take, take take care of themselves. Excuse me. Obviously, you want to coach these guys and you get them physically ready, but with such an emphasis on mental health and such an emphasis on the mental game of baseball, how much of your job do you feel like is is getting them mentally prepared as well? Almost more than anything, <laughs> yeah. Um, because I think most guys are their own worst enemies too. Most guys are going to be um, hard enough on themselves that you know, you got to pick the right times that you need to be hard on. Obviously, there are cases where, you know, you need to kind of lay the hammer down but or or more of the general message to the team. But I think guys are going to be – they hold themselves to a high standard. Um, when you do need to be hard on them, there's going to be a reason. Um, but I – yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the – I don't know. Like I said, I didn't forget how difficult this game was, and I, I want to try to – kind of put air in their tires rather than deflate them um, until I until I really need to. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> to finish things off here on, on kind of a, a lighter note, when you look at this team coming into this 2022 season, for fans that maybe aren't terribly familiar with some of the, the non-big-name prospects, who are some players to watch for fans this year? Okay. Um, <laughs> I think 
around the outfield here. Dustin Harris, obviously, is he's an exciting player. I'm excited to see JP and Josh Towers back again, kind of what they can do after being here for a year. Kellen Strom's a good – is a very uh, disciplined strike zone, uh, gives you a good about at the plate and can, can play a solid defense. Fabian is new to our organization, but he had a really good spring training. Um, in the outfield, so I'm excited to see what he does. Excited to have Krim back, obviously, kind of what he brings to the table. And then the uh, some sort of combination of Duran and J.O. can kind of be dynamic up the middle infielders, but then in the batter's box as well. Um, Tan- Tanielu is a new guy to organization, but he's I've seen him do nothing but hit in spring training. Um, and then Arias um, is just solid. He's going to give you a good at bat. Um, every at bat, and he's going to make all the plays defensively. Um, so I'm excited to have him back, just kind of that steady, solid uh, presence. And then the uh, Garcia um, is exciting behind the plate, and then kind of what he can bring to the, to the table offensively from, from both sides of the batter's box. And then Watley, um, excited there. Pro, Hare, Nash Knight, those are guys that um, I'm going to try to hopefully be able to get them in um, as much as we can in, in, in whatever role we can. That's the problem this year is that there's there, we can only hit nine guys. Yeah. Because I want to hit, you know, I'd like to hit 12 to 15 every night. So it's a good problem to have. But, you know, I kind of sidestepped your question there. I didn't give you a specific guy or two, but there, there's an, there's a, something to be exciting, to be excited about with, with everyone. And that's, that's just kind of the, you know my honest assessment there yeah, yeah. you so. mentioned you mentioned Blaine Krim and we talked about Dustin Harris with him kind of trying to find a position defensively it's pretty much the same thing with Blaine because he can hit and yes. he can hit really well yes he can I think if he kind of put to doubt any reservations you know people may have had about his season last year between high A and here when he went and did what he did in uh, in Puerto Rico and kind of just continued on the tear that he's been on in spring training as well you know, he hit over 400 in Puerto Rico to win the batting title. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Did you play over overseas at all? Never in Puerto Rico. Played one part of one winter ball season in Venezuela, Caracas. How was that? Uh, Leones. Uh, it was good. It was a great experience. Um, I think Venezuela is a little bit different today than it was in – that was the, the fall or winter of 2010. So it was a good experience. Glad I did it. Um, I think that it's good for guys to kind of have that experience. I think if for no other reason to to kind of get a – obviously the, the baseball experience, but just to kind of get an idea of where some of our teammates and players, you know, their backgrounds, um, I think is – I think is a good, good perspective. So. Do you feel like you were able to get that perspective when you were there, or is it something that's more retrospective at this point? Both. I, I think I, I appreciate that experience now more than I did then, but at the time it was um, – I, I was thankful to kind of have a have a better understanding as much as that's, you know, possible in, in my short, you know, time there. But, yeah, I think probably more so today than, than in the moment, but – you know, kind of started at that point, too. All right. Jared Gettert, manager for the Rough Riders. Jared, thanks so much. And, hey, we're, we're getting ready. We're ready to go. Thanks Red, so much for joining us. Yeah, ready or not. This, this has been fun. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right. That was Jared Gettert, the manager for the Rough Riders. Such an awesome guest. It was so much fun to talk to him, and I'm sure it's one of many times that we'll be chatting with Jared throughout the season, Chris, and he is incredibly insightful and 
uh, has really done a wonderful job so far. Yeah, hopefully. And then again, you, you can just you can hear um, you can still hear the player in him. Uh, a lot of his yeah. insight is still driven from a player's perspective. So that's certainly certainly a great thing to have at the AA level. So um, really excited to see you know how this how this clubhouse can mold with each other, how the chemistry is going to affect things on and off the field. And you heard him say it. It has a lot to do with the product uh, and the group last year, especially early on during that win streak. Had a lot, a lot of fun. April 8th, opening day. You ready? Yes, sir. We I've are, been ready. We are so ready. <laughs> we hope you are, too. It's going to be a fantastic opening weekend, April 8th, April 9th, April 10th. Great starting pitching rotation for the Rough Riders, including Jack Leiter, who will be starting on Saturday. And uh, we are ready to go. Rough Riders are looking good this year. Uh, first podcast. Yeah, Not how'd we do? I, th- I think how'd it was okay. Do? I okay. think it was okay. Yeah. Not too bad. <laughs> a lot. We only go up from here. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, a lot to uh, build on as we go through the season. Rough Riders starting off the 2022 season against Arkansas, 635. First pitch here on Riders Field, April 8th. We hope to see you out here. This has been Riders Report, the podcast. We'll hit you with some more episodes as we go forward here throughout the season. But we hope you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll uh, give you some more stories and some more fun facts, some more laughs, some more of everything, more baseball coming your way here on Riders Report, the podcast. My name is Zach Bigley, broadcaster for the Rough Riders, joined by Chris Jarrett, as always, my partner. Until next time, let's ride.